0: Dim jumble jam, dimmy dimmy dim-dam, dimmy dimmy dim-dam, dimmy dimmy dim-dam. Hey guys, it's Baron Vaughn, and welcome back to Deep Shit. Well, I've taken an unintentional hiatus, and that's mainly because uh, I can't get my shit together. That's pre- probably what it is. That's probably what it really, really is. Um, and... It's funny, too, because I promised that I would start posting twice a week, and then I didn't post for two weeks. So that was a dyslexic promise on my part. Oh, man. Remember when blogs were hot and then suddenly everyone was blogging about how they were sorry that they hadn't blogged for a while? That's what I'm trying not to do right now is talk be like, I'm sorry I haven't podcasted when I said I would be podcasting. But, guys, I'm sorry. I haven't been podcasting when I said that I would be podcasting. That's what's going on. And uh, it sucks. But I was just traveling so fucking much. And I couldn't get a damn break. And then I had all these podcasts that were scheduled in one week. And everyone except one person canceled. Uh, And everyone last minute as well. Like, everyone was like, oh, I can't do it. And uh, then I was like, well, guess I'm not going to have a podcast then. Um, So... I have one podcast that I did, um, I almost want to say almost a month and a half ago at least, with Rob Gleason, which is what you're going to hear right now. Rob Gleason is a very funny young comic. He is young in age, and, uh, but not in experience. Uh, he's fucking really good, and he's been uh, uh, blowing me away lately around town. I've seen him in a bunch of different shows, and uh, I think he's a really cool person. And uh, a really nice and interesting, smart, funny person. Um, and uh, he's really close with Hassan Minaj as well. And uh, he has listened to this podcast before. So when I asked him to do it, he's like, oh, I like your podcast. Man, somebody sounds like you will hear. Um, but we sat down and we talked about anxiety, which opens up a lot into the subject of sexuality because what are people more anxious about than their sexuality? I don't know. Their bank accounts? Who knows? Anyway, I've been really busy. I just got back today from the Just for Laughs Chicago Comedy Festival. Um, Yeah, Just for Laughs is the Montreal Comedy Festival. Comedians refer to it as Montreal. And uh, it is an industry festival in which uh, if you get chosen to do it in some ways it means that you have arrived and uh and it doesn't mean what it used to mean. Um pretty much any comedy credit doesn't mean what it used to mean because the game of comedy has changed. So we gotta do all sorts of shit to get any sorts of attention because the airwaves are cluttered with motherfuckers. Um, which is why I started a podcast. I started a podcast because I wanted to join the ranks I started it way after I thought I should have started it. Uh, that's just because I didn't have any equipment and stuff. Um, but I like doing this podcast. And um, and also uh, I wanted to – I feel like I'm my funniest when I'm not thinking about how to be funny. I feel like that's true of most comedians. We all have an inherent sense of humor and it's uh, a very strong uh, uh, compass for what is and isn't funny – When we're talking, when it's ourselves, having to do with ourselves, and some people extend it onto everybody else, I think sometimes too much, and I've been guilty of that same thing, but it's like I can't hold everybody to the standards that I hold myself, and generally the comedians that I really love are comedians that do shit that I could never do. So I don't gravitate only to the people that are only doing exactly what I do, which I think a lot of comedians do. I think you got to go out of your comfort zone to be a, a fuller comedian, to have a fuller picture of what can and can't happen when you're doing stand-up comedy. It's my personal philosophy, right? But anyway, um, I was just – I've always been interested in I, – I, whenever I talk to comics, I feel like, oh, you should say that on stage because they're not – They're just saying a simple statement of truth that they feel about themselves or their lives or something. And I'm like, dude, that's – have you done that on stage? That's hilarious. You should do that. And I can't do that for myself because I am myself. I'm in my own fucking house. Hard to tell what color it is, an expression I've used 80 times on this podcast. So I thought it would be a good way for me to kind of figure out how I feel about things just by talking about them off the top of my head. And uh, speaking of which, let me get back to what I was talking about. I was just in Chicago and uh, had really good shows there. It was fun, fun times and fun hanging with a lot of comics. I, I spent a lot of time with uh, uh, Kumail Nanjiani and uh, Emily Gordon, his wife uh, and partner and compadre, um, his wife and partner, Emily Gordon and uh, Julie McCullough, uh, Ben Kronberg, uh, hung out with Andy Daly a little bit. Never hung out with that guy. Really, really fucking cool guy. Um and uh, Pam Clear, who was one of the uh, organizers of the festival. Um, who else did I hang out with? Uh, and the, the the people who run the Super Serious Show, which is a great show in Los Angeles, Mandy Johnson and Joel Mandelcorn. Uh, they're fucking awesome people, and they are always so nice to me and put me on all sorts of crazy shows that they're doing. Oh, I hung out a lot with this guy Sam Simmons, who is this Australian comedian that's fucking crazy, and I love 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 what the fuck he does it's it's so out there and weird um but still just it's it's a fantasia and i really like it um so anyway i did that after i because basically what i did is i went to san antonio and i meant to record kind of a episode from my room when i was in san antonio i took my whole kit with it but i just didn't do it, because I ended up hanging out with the two comics that I, uh, were working with me a lot, Avery Reed Moore and Forrest Shaw. And uh, the LOL Comedy Club in San Antonio, I had a rough time. It's a big fucking space. It's like a 400-room seat, 400-seat uh, room, mm-hmm. high ceilings, uh, and um, it's kind of a conservative Christian military town, which, if you put those three together, that's not generally the kind of people that like what i am doing on stage not that i attack any of their values per se but you can tell i'm a i'm a hedonist liberal just on my stance on certain subjects even though they're sometimes simple subjects people are just kind of like wait a minute this guy voted for obama and they get all he's intellectual like one of them uh, and sometimes they get all weird, but I had good shows. Not great good shows, and I had two shit shows, but the, the saving grace I had were those two comics that were awesome to hang out with, Forrest Shaw in specific, uh, in particular because I hung out with him much more than I did with Avery because Avery lives in Austin instead of San Antonio, so she was driving in and out every show. Also, next to the theater, there's a p- movie theater. I mean, next to the theater. Next to the comedy club, there was a theater, a movie theater, called the Alamo Draft House. If you guys don't know, the Draft House chain of movie theaters, fuck, it's one of the best in the country. You're, you're, you can order food from your seat, bro, from your, and they have a full menu like with all sorts of foods for different sorts of dietary restrictions. Okay, and you can also get a soda pop, or you could get a iced latte if you wanted, or a Arnold Palmer, or a beer. It's fucking incredible. I saw movies every single day because we, the comedians working at the club, got to go to movies for free. For free, bro. Anyway, I was trying really hard not to go insane when I was sitting in that fucking hotel room under a damn freeway. So that's why I didn't end up doing a podcast. Then I had a Sunday show which sucks, which means I had to fly on Monday. They canceled my flight also, weirdly, Sunday night. I had a direct flight from San Antonio to L.A., I'm assuming there's not a lot of people taking that flight, so they just canceled it and rerouted me through San Francisco, which made me get to L.A. four hours later than I wanted to get, and I had shit to do that day. and had shows to do. Couldn't get it together for a podcast. And then I had Tuesday, and I had shit to do and shows to do. Couldn't get it together for a podcast. Then I drove to San Francisco with my friend Brian Cook, who you will hear on this podcast, the proprietor of the erotic competitive erotic fan fiction We drove to San Francisco, did some shows, I was there for two days, came back for two days, drove to Las Vegas for a family engagement for two days, came back for two days, and then went to Chicago, and now I'm back. And I'm here for six weeks with nothing to do except wonder what the fuck I'm going to do about the fact that my car has been towed. Oh yeah, by the way, my car was towed. You might have heard me talk about all the damn tickets I have. Well, I stupidly parked my car on a street that I've parked on before and never got caught, but this time I went to see it in the morning and it was not there. So the state of California has my car. I have no car. And I also don't have the three thousand dollars it's gonna take me to get that car back. Hey, by the way, thanks for your donation, Wantanabe son. I really appreciate that. And I'm gonna reply to one of your emails one day, someday in the future. A, the thing that will happen. Uh you write long emails, dude. <laughs> I'll email you. I just feel like so much pressure. I'm like, oh, I gotta respond to all of this. Anyway, um, So what was I talking about? All right. Um, Speaking of anxiety that I'm expressing to you, uh, here's Rob Gleason. I am a sinner Who's probably
1: gonna sin again Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. This don't kill my vibe. This don't kill my vibe. I can feel your energy from two planets away. I got my drink, I got my music. I will share it, but today it's This don't kill my
0: vibe. This don't kill my vibe. Bitch. People don't know how to have sex, which is. Which is- Incredible. Okay,
1: here's one thing I'll say is I I don't think people have as much sex. I I'm paranoid about maybe people are having more sex than I'm having, or that I'm having enough. I'm not having enough sex, and I'm missing out on all this sex. But I don't know that I am. Like all these people are just dicking each other down, and I'm not. <laughs> you know? I, I can't
0: hear you say dick down anymore. Look, I'll dick I'll dick down a puss. <laughs> You will too. Oh, you're a dinosaur. A dick uh, do a dick down <laughs> the creature you are. What kind of creature you I'm a dick, I'm a dick Dan- What's up ladies? I'm a dick Donopus. Check out this fox. Check out my horn. <laughs> Holy crap! Uh, no, but I do, Omnivore. All right.
1: I do think about maybe people are having sex. Maybe there's a, maybe everybody's having yeah. a lot of great sex. Yeah. And I'm just having a small amount of mediocre sex.
0: Look, it's I I just think that it, it it's not quantity, it's quality. It's always quality. It's but always paying attention to whomever it is that you're with. Now here's the thing, Rob. How much random sex are you having?
1: Not a lot because I'm very paranoid about STDs. Okay, so, so you're I've, not
0: having like like one-off kind I've of stuff. I've had one-offs, but they're yeah.
1: very very rare. And before I do them, I give them like a lengthy questionnaire. <laughs> like I I don't give them a questionnaire, but we'll be lying in bed and I'll be trying to. I'm like so nervous about totally valid sex and of course. STDs. Yeah, we'll be like we'll be like in the throes of passion about to have sex and i'll be like trying to slip in little interview questions about when's the last time you got tested who's the last person you slept with have you kept in touch with them how many
0: one-night stands have you had honestly that's that's the shit that you should bring up way before that moment you should not bring that up before that moment it's okay you gotta bring it up you got if you you, say that at dinner no if you know that you're headed towards sex if you know that that's gonna happen see i i I, it sounds weird to say but i'll i wait a while before you have sex? Yeah. Yeah. I sometimes think. sometimes you wait not enough, not long enough. But a lot of the times I try to bring that stuff up before we're even in the situation where we're in a bed together. Okay. It's not easy, you're right. right. Because it's like, well, what's the right cause when you're in the throes of passion, it like you know, it's it's you your brain starts making a lot of concessions. It does. It and starts it going starts. like, Do I need to know that? Do I need this? And so it would, it's like and Yeah.
1: Like, sometimes my brain will be even like, look, I've gotten this far without an STD. Fuck it. Let's just do this. Which, <laughs> <laughs> again, n- w- which is, like, why I'm so paranoid is I know that once those hormones kick in, y- uh, you'll just be like, look, what am I going to worry about? A rash? Or am I going to dick down some pussy? i going to dick down some pussy. I'm going right. to be a dick down a pussy. That's right. That's what,
0: that's what it means to be. How, why did the dick down a pussy go extinct? <laughs> Not enough questions Not asked. Enough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. So, I mean, I I just mean to say that, like, the the reason I brought that up was because uh, it's different to learn how to have sex with someone than having sex. You don't know what you mean. Having sex is just the act of sex. Okay. But learning to make love to someone is a completely different thing.
1: But there's more emotion involved. It's not about physical. It's not even
0: necessarily about emotion. It's just about that you get to know someone's body. You know what I mean? I don't think that. I have never
1: known someone's body. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, I, you barely know your own.
1: I have not gotten to that level of, like, commitment. I've never been in a relationship that long where I'm like, oh, man. I've never been like, oh, I know, I know his body. Oh, I know her body. I don't know. Well,
0: it's not even necessarily that. It's just learning how
1: to dance. Yeah, it's learning how to do the dance. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's
0: just like you, you learn how to read someone's body. Yes. You know, right. and learning yes. how to be sensitive to it. I I'm a firm believer in just... It's amazing how hard it is for people, and a lot of girls that I've been with—I That's I know this because of the women I've been with. Sure. Nobody fucking asks them, what do you like? What do you why, prefer? Why does the
1: lady not say what she likes? I have read because she too many 17 articles. Yeah, go ahead. Too many articles in the magazine, like 17, or Ladies Magazine, or mm-hmm. whatever— Too many times I've read those articles where they say, like, just tell your man what you want. Like,
0: ten tips for better sex. Number one is always just tell him what you want. Well, see, that's the thing is that, like, it's just a lot of this shit is filled with a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Because it's like you're – people are afraid to say I'm into this and I'm into that because they don't want to lose a person. I saw this article. uh, There was a study done. Apparently – out of this cross-section that they did, and of course, that's all. Whenever there's like a, a study was done, sure, I sure. read this thing about like how a lot of studies on human behavior suck because they're usually done in the college. Okay. And usually that's when these kids are doing, these usually college students that are doing this research. Right. At a university, right. and their cross-section is 2,000 university students, of which course. is not representative of humanity. No, not at all. But this is still representative because college students, I think a lot of, our, a lot of our habits for how we have relationships and sex are and how we communicate are formed even before college are formed as early as even high before school before you've had sex I think so
1: so you you're saying who we are in the bedroom is formed before we even step foot. In the well bedroom. it's just I mean just in terms of communicating okay, and your ability to relate to a person and read a person and see what they want, yes in okay. a romantic
0: context, whether it be a relationship or just sex okay,
1: and I'll tell you something relationships yeah. are not something that I excel at, okay I think I'm okay in the bedroom. I'm relationships are not I've never really had a, a, a super long relationship and and that's something that I'm starting to have anxiety about like okay. the further I get into my life I'm more I'm seeing my college friends who are predominantly straight start to get married uh-huh and I'm l- like 25 and the longest relationship I've had was 3 months and it was when I was a junior in high school and she was a freshman and when I broke up with her I shook her hand
0: well <laughs> <laughs> I broke Thank up you for there. working here. Yes. Um, right. I really appreciate like the time like, you put in. Yes. Like obviously. she
1: was a cop giving me a speeding ticket. <laughs> I thanked her and shook her hand. I appreciate
0: the, your work.
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> wow, that's incredible. You're 25. I am now. Okay, I didn't know that. Uh, and that's an incredible age. Ooh. 25 is a big, gigantic age, ride.
1: Oh, why? Now you're making me nervous. Now I'm having more anxiety because maybe I'm not living
0: up to this age. No, you are. Actually, everything that you're saying makes sense to being a 25-year-old. Okay. 25, 26 is the age in which all the rules you decided applied in college, you start to be like, hmm, everything that I did in college, the way that I've been living my life, no longer applies.
1: Interesting. I, th- I feel like I've been ha- – I feel like –
0: It's the quarter-life crisis. It's like you, you, you in high school, because of your life and your world, you created a system of interaction you created a way that the world works based on the world that you're in yes. and you figured out how to deal and cope with that world then you got to college and the world was different and, and you had to develop Whoa.
1: new rules new
0: Com- okay everything i've from 14 to 18 is moot okay now i got to devise new a new protocol. new protocol and that lasts until 22 if you get out of college then that lasts until about 25 26 i and think it's like almost every like every, every 4 years a new protocol for life. That lasts until 30. That's interesting. That, that lasts until 30.
1: And then 30, you're sort of like, okay, now who am I? Maybe it's almost like you're reinventing not yourself, but your approach to life every, every four or six years.
0: Well, a friend of mine, this comic in New York uh, named Liz Mealy once told me that she – it was something that her therapist said to her about, like, you're in a crisis situation, right, uh, in a survival situation, okay, and you create a crisis protocol. You're in a situation that you need to get through. You need to just be able to deal with it, and you right. create a way of dealing with it. The problem is when you're outside of the situation and you continue to use what you created to During deal that, with the crisis. Right. You still act like you're in the crisis, even though the crisis is now over. Right. Because you've created all these skills to get through the crisis. Right. The and hurricane
1: is gone, but you're still putting up sandbags.
0: Basically, emotionally, dig down a down a fuss. <laughs> That's the best. That's the second best thing I've ever said in my life. Uh, uh, one time, Zach Sherman was on my, uh, this is probably the biggest laugh I've ever gotten from anyone. Okay. He was on my podcast and he asked about nostril dominance. Apparently your nostrils, you breathe predominantly out of a right and then out of the left, it switches. That's why when you get a runny nose, like it keeps switching back and forth. Oh, it's switch.
1: It's never one. It's
0: There's always one that's in charge and it switches. It's called nostril dominance. Okay. Right. So he said, have you ever heard of nostril dominance? Uh-huh. And I said, the famous psychic. Nah, not, right. And then he laughed Lost forever. It. He's just such a sweetheart. I just quoted my own podcast on my <laughs> not podcast, only did Rob. You quote your own podcast. You quoted yourself. I on know. Your own podcast. <laughs> one time I said I was at a, was a comedy show in New York and I was talking. John Mulaney was kind of right here, about to go up, and I was saying something to someone. I said, like, "Well, one time I said this," and then John kind of stopped what he's doing. He looked at me, and said, "Did you just quote yourself?" <laughs> and I have never not been yeah, so conscious yeah. of that. I'm like, goddamn it, I'm quoting myself. It's just because. <laughs> I don't want to throw out a piece of information in a conversation and act like it's not something I said totally, in a different conversation.
1: Totally. Can I tell you what you did after quoting yourself? Oh, you Jesus. referenced
0: a story. You quoted
1: yourself in a story, quoting yourself and dropped a name. This is getting way too meta. Ah!
0: It's not dr- name no, dropping. I know, I'm kidding. Okay, maybe John Mulaney well, is a celebrity to you, but yeah. I can text him right now. <laughs> Yo, Malay, it's B-Vay. Uh, Um So, okay, this is what I was trying to say yeah. is. You're at you're at the point where it's like, and you know what? I did the exact same thing. At 25, okay. I was like, "That's it. I need to be in a fucking relationship." Right. Right. Because right. I was I had two really intense girlfriends in high school. Didn't end. Up, didn't end up. They obviously we broke up. We were fucking high school, and I moved from Las Vegas to Boston. That was the kiss of death. I'm in a different fucking city across the country. Sure. Right. Sure. So. And then j- freshman and sophomore year, nothing. Just dry, dry spell. Junior year it started to pick up. Of college. In college. And I dated a couple girls. Okay. For junior, junior and senior year. Sure. Right? So and then I experimented with like open relationships and stuff like that. It, it was just a tremendous failure because I had no language to be able to speak to this point. Okay. So then I got to New York and I was like, fuck that. I'm an asshole. I'm gonna do it the way everyone fucking says. Right. I want a girlfriend. I just want someone who's going to be obsessed with me, and then that's exactly what I got. And you know that whole – it was like I wished on a monkey's paw.
1: Right. You wanted to check a check off a box on the list. Well,
0: but I – it's the whole be careful what you ask for. I got what I asked for, and I found out it's not what I wanted at all. Okay. It ended up being an awful situation. But you
1: have to get that thing to realize you
0: don't want it. You have to get it to not – and that's the thing. This is the 25-year-old, I think, thing. You know. Now, of course, that's you're a different generation. Yes. I'm more – I'm a – Gen X, Millennial cuss, but twenty five is twenty five. Yeah, but I think that I mean it, our our environment changes. I think it affects people okay. completely different. I think that the quarter life crisis is a is a technically a new phenomenon because we more so than our parents and our parents' parents are just inundated with information and stimulus all the fucking time. Right. So we're we're dealing with more. It doesn't mean that it's more uh, profound that we know more than they did. Well, and at the same time, life's starting to take a slower, and
1: like, a different arc. Whereas our parents, my parents were married at, like, 23. It really starts to slow down to, like, you know, my sisters, who are a generation above me, they're 35. They mm-hmm. got married at, at 30. Mm, okay. And then, if, you know, I... have. You hear about people. Well, at least in LA, people it's late to LA is like late today. Well, LA and New York, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's yeah. like
0: if you're if you're married before thirty, people yeah, are like, "What, what the, the fuck, fuck is, is wrong with you?" What? Yeah. That's not gonna right. But if you're not, if you're like in a different city, anywhere else in this country, and you're not married by it's thirty, like, what people are like, "The fuck is wrong with you?" Why don't you move to LA? Right you're wrong. obviously a freak. You're a dick yeah. down the puss, aren't you? Well, um, instead of a love, lots of familiarity. <laughs> no, nope, stupid. That's stupid. Couldn't, couldn't follow it up. No, Something okay. organic will happen. Um, all, all I'm trying to say, Rob, is I believe that you're in the place where you're rethinking everything that you've been doing. And you're going, well, maybe I'm wrong. Okay.
1: And I, I apply the same thing to my career. It's like I rethink what I'm doing in terms of like yeah, I've been doing stand-up since I was 18 and mm-hmm. it's going well and it's fun. But I've never really known anything else. And and how am I to say that I wouldn't enjoy other career paths just because mm. i like stand-up doesn't mm-hmm. mean there aren't other things that i would excel at and enjoy and like why am i limiting myself to stand up Or i you know i might love getting a master's degree and teaching
0: history <laughs> yeah or okay. something
1: i mean like there's things that i know You'd i would be the like. funniest
0: history teacher ever <laughs> i would not <laughs> and all I'd the kids a, would be like yeah, i think uh, he's Mr. bisexual Gleason. i think he's bisexual i think he's a dick uh,
1: I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm starting. I'm having those thoughts. You talk about this quarter life crisis. I'm Uh not just applying those thoughts to needing a relationship, but I'm applying those thoughts to like, okay, is this is this what I want to do for the next twenty years? It all
0: relates, sure, because you're because you've been perpetually single, and you're like, is this what I want to do? Right? Yeah. And you're being like, you've been perpetually doing stand up. You're like, is this what I want to do? Yeah. You've been paying bills. You're like, is this what I want to do? do?" (laughs) 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 Exactly. So. It I, I think you're in a good place. You're in okay. a constructive place. Luckily you're also a comedian. So you're more introspective than the average motherfucker. Yeah, but my it it
1: mm-hmm. my yeah. anxiety goes down. It it's like um my anxiety goes down when someone tells me that I'm in the right place. That I'm doing that I'm doing fine. When someone's like, You're doing fine, my anxiety goes down. But what that is 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 essentially just a compulsion that's satiating a compulsion. The compulsion is like be worrying about my career. Mm-hmm. And then what satiates it is like someone being like, you're doing fine. Things are okay. And then that just reinforces the compulsion.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I – around 25-ish is – when I look back, because it's only recently that I realized that I have ever been capable of depression as a thing. Really? When I look back in my mid-20s, I'm realizing long moments that I must have just been depressed. Like just the way that I was acting – And the things that I was – that's, that's like, how fucking moody I was and just really staying away from people. What? Were you immature? No, not immature. Just hiding from people. Okay. Just, like, high like, low, you know, very introverted and stuff like that. Were you in New York then or LA? Yeah, I was in New York.
1: And it's difficult to be introverted in that city. It's easy here. Incredibly difficult. Yeah.
0: And and especially when I was establishing myself in New York, you have to go to every fucking show. Everything. Um, Jackie Cation has a friend named Tracy Ashley staying Uh with her who uh, is Jackie's age, and she has been here for two weeks and done, like, three spots every single fucking night and then staying out at the bars and hanging out with comics, like, three, four, five in the morning. And I, and Jackie's telling me that. I'm like, she's doing that as an adult? Right. Like, she's an adult. I don't do that, and I'm 25. I know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you fucking? <laughs> i like, do
1: spots and maybe, maybe get a drink after and then be like, all right, I'm going home.
0: Well, even Chris Rock says you have to be in your head a little bit. Yeah. As a comic, you can't be social all the goddamn time. Right. But there is, you do need to be out there. You do need to be out yeah. there because you need to make that FaceTime. You know, yeah. and and when you, and you came from a different scene, and I don't I know how how established you were or weren't, and I'm seeing that as a big phenomenon that people move here from different scenes in which they were doing really well, then they have to start the fuck over. Yeah. They have to eat but fucking you know shit. That
1: coming in, I, for the some first people, year I some
0: people, but some people, it really it's a fucking big ass bummer. What do you especially
1: mean some people. Some people no, know didn't.
0: that, but so, yeah. some people some people got really some people get almost big. They get a lot of buzz about them, but they haven't made all the relationships in their own scene before they come to LA. So right. there's no one to really vouch for them yet. Right. Or they get really big and all these big comics make promises that they don't keep where there's like you know what come to LA I'll introduce you to All blah and blah and blah when i was in denver i would i would mc for
1: headliners and i have a couple of their phone numbers and i called i'm not i called one of them when i moved out here and he was like i was like hey man i just moved to la i was wondering if maybe you wanted to you know had any advice or anything and he was like oh i'm a i'm about to go for a hike uh can i call you back and i could hear in the background people laughing and he was like yeah man i'm just going for a hike i'll call you later uh, oh, that's brutal. Uh, brutal. I've, I, I've narrowed it down to three people I think that is.
0: You'll tell me off air.
1: It's not someone. It's a road guy that lives here. It's not anyone big. Yeah.
0: I'll, okay. I'm, well, you'll tell me off air. Okay. Okay.
1: But and, that first year in L.A., you do eat... Shit. Shit, yeah. Do and you eat shit. shit. So, so anyways...
0: We've gotten off topic but. No 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 because it all kind of uh it all kind of ties together. Okay. This is anxiety. We're gonna call this sexuality slash anxiety. Sexuality. uh psychopathia sexualis. I don't remember what it is called. Sure. Um so because it comes down to this all relates you introduce because... introduce me, do you need to introduce me at the top or are you gonna do that? Oh, I'll introduce you in the introduction. Oh in the introduction. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'll intro in the intro. Okay, fine. Okay, we're getting so mad around right I well. it doesn't even matter. Um so it all ties together because your worldview is always intact. Whatever you believe to be true, you're gonna to apply to every fucking Yes aspect of your whatever life. you approach or approaches you. I remember once I, I I I have had pretty strong issues with uh being perceived as an aggressive male to different women, especially if I liked them. Okay. I I was just like I don't wanna be looked at as being too pushy. I don't want to be looked at as being too forceful. I I don't want to tell them what to do. right? I don't want to ever be looked at as telling a woman what to do. Of course. And that manifested itself when I tried to learn ballroom dancing because the man has to be the leader.
1: So what are you saying? So you couldn't ballroom dance? I
0: couldn't. I was because the man has to lead, right? And you, and you have to kind of about... with the with your body right. tell a woman where to move. Right. And I had it. I, and I was like, mm, I I was it was difficult. It's like a little thing, yeah. but it it was a. But it I was realized that, that like, oh, I can't lead. Because I have issues.
1: Or I feel anxiety about this because I have this weird little seed that was planting in my head about maybe being too dominant with women or too aggressive. And now this is – I'm ballroom dancing, and I shouldn't be applying that to this situation, but for some reason I, I am.
0: And it took – and it, I couldn't figure it out, and it took me a while to be like, oh, I see what I'm doing. Sure. It just boils down to this, and just being conscious of that made me eliminate it. I'm like, this is just fucking ballroom dancing. When you shine light on it, yeah. anxiety goes away. I'm like, this is not. This is ballroom dancing. This doesn't speak to who I am as right. a human. I'm not telling her how to park the car. Exactly. I'm not being like, bitch, you put lipstick on and have chicken ready when I get home. Okay? Uh-huh. And I'm going to dig down that bus. <laughs> That's right. I can't stop saying that because it's the best thing I've ever heard. Okay. So, uh, oh. But I'm, all I'm saying is, a lot of those things manifest themselves in the bedroom. You know, I mean, there's the old adage that like the person who's always in control likes to be dominated, likes to be submissive in the bedroom. Let
1: me take over here. What okay. I think is, I was trying to take control. Go ahead. Uh, no, no. I was to... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. The person that I would say that a lot of.
0: I mean, that's a. That, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but that's like a you know a common thing that people believe. Whoever's... No, but I see these couples, and I yeah. see
1: the very like confident, dominant husbands, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, I bet when you guys fuck, he loves to be made like a little bitch."
0: Maybe I
1: bet he does. Maybe, and that's true for a lot of people. When you have like this quiet, sometimes I'll see this these couples, and one of them's quiet, and one of them's not, and I'm like, "Oh, she's you know," when they get in the bedroom, it's op- at... opposites.
0: And I feel like I've heard dominatrix dominatrices mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about this that it's like. I remember hearing some interview with some dominatrix, and she was talking about, like, this guy who's, like, a CEO of a corporation. He just freaking, you know, she couldn't, of course, couldn't tell his name. But, like, dominatrix is a basically a therapist. They get, like, a therapy license. Wait,
1: and so the people go to them to, no. I thought dominatrix were just people, individual people that are into that shit. I didn't know it was, like, a service. It is
0: a sur- It can be a service.
1: How is that not prostitution? Because they're not having sex. They're just paddling you?
0: Yes, it like is actually p- you know, not – it is sexual in nature. They're just paddling you in a
1: fuck den? But no actual –
0: basically, no actual sex happens because it's more about the dominant submissive role-playing, stuff like that. It can be very therapeutic for people. That's why they, they can get certified as therapists, okay. a lot of them. Um, so, like, so she was talking about like it helps no these people keep balance to their lives. He's always in charge. He's always telling people what to do. Then he gets to come to this place... And not
1: have to make any decisions.
0: Where he doesn't have to make any decisions. He gets told what to do. He gets humiliated. You know, he gets put down, and it balances him somehow. Right? Okay, go ahead. Your your eyes are ablaze <laughs> with, like... Punch lines I can and just see questions.
1: was like, like uh CEO being like, hey, Kelly, hold my calls. My two o'clock is here. And then it's just like him in a sex swing. Getting whipped. Yeah. They basically. Yeah. Uh, I've got a lunch meeting, Kelly. I'll be back in an hour. And they, he comes back and he's like, got a black eye.
0: Usually you go to the dominatrix go, because right. it's a safe yeah, space.
1: Like it's a, oh, it is. It's yeah.
0: Right. It's their studio apartment. <laughs> it's like, a dungeon.
1: Well, sure.
0: I think some of them call it a it's dungeon. It's a dungeon with a kitchenette. We'll do. We'll do more research about that <laughs> <as a> kitchenette. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ!
1: I'm just saying, like this. Uh, Dominic-
0: You're talking about the amateurs, though. I'm talking about like the motherfuckers who are at the level that they can get a CEO as a client.
1: Okay, touche. That's okay. a big client. That's a big fish. That's a big fucking That's a fish. Big fish. Okay. They're How being- did he get in there? Did he get
0: referred? Probably. <laughs> some people that the careers get reference and stuff like that. They don't ever need to to chase clients. But
1: who is he like playing golf with? That probably like other people but that who go to this dominatrix maybe
0: but they probably don't talk I about it i might do this having the to,
1: but i'd like to try it
0: i know people that have a friend of mine got involved with this guy who it was a big bdsm thing and she was going to sex parties and stuff like that but like being, sex parties yeah sex parties what is that a party where people have sex and it was like an eyes wide shut party the way that she described it to me fucking people in masks and you don't see anyone's faces and stuff like that but her dom commanded that she not wear a mask, so she didn't. So she was identifiable. There were a couple other people there that weren't wearing masks, uh-huh. but she was like – the way that she described it was, was incredible, therape- incredibly therapeutic for her. Just, it's like to be whipped.
1: Did she get banged by lots of guys?
0: Uh, no, actually.
1: Have you ever been to a bathhouse?
0: No. Neither have I.
1: No, I'm serious. I'm I think like this isn't true. Okay, uh, go no, ahead. I'm too. Par- I would. I'm too paranoid to ever go to one of those. I would never go into one.
0: Well, of those. and I feel like the thing is, but that's similar to a sex party. That's when you it. keep shit secret, is where there's going to be dangerousness, dangerousness, dangerosity. Okay, you know that Denzel Russell Crowe movie, danger- Dangerosity.
1: Yeah, I thought it was good, but it got panned.
0: I'm just saying that like it was awful. I'm just saying that like these things manifest themselves in the bedroom. You know what I mean? Like if you are a, fr- a person who is afraid to ask for what you need in everyday life, when you're in the bedroom with someone where the stakes are basically high, your heartbeat is racing. And you're vulnerable. Adrenaline, you're vulnerable. You're afraid. That's, yeah. it's, a, it's a very scary situation to be in a bedroom with someone, especially if you want them to stay there. Right. Like your brain is racing. So it's like, uh, okay, here's the point of that the whole study I was going to tell you about. Forty percent of couples who have specifically, explicitly discussed whether or not they are monogamous leave not knowing what they decided.
1: Wow! So they don't, and they they don't. There's no conclusion in the conversation, or it's just not clear. It's vague. I they can't I, agree. They can't. They can't agree. Well,
0: I think there's a bunch of different reasons. Okay, but what it, what it points to to me is that the lack of communication, and that people are afraid to say what it is they really need to say, and I, are more concerned about. I don't want to lose this person, so I'm just going to agree with what they're saying.
1: I bet there are so many couples that have been married for years. There are so many couples that have been married for years that don't have good communication, and that's why you see a lot of married couples that probably don't have active sex or that that don't have sex, that complain about not having a lot of sex and because they're not communicating about – they're not getting what they want. Even though they're married and and they are probably in love or were in love or go from in and out of being in love.
0: They just don't have a lot of sex because they don't communicate. They don't communicate. And I think the thing is that when you leave a lot of things unsaid, it really disturbs the other It builds, resentment, other sh- it builds resentment. It makes you not want to touch the person. when right. You see the person. Right. You're just like I, – when I have something to say to someone, yes. I can't really function until I've said it. And I shut down. I will, like, basically – I get really quiet, really contemplative because I have something to say. But I'm nervous about saying it. I've learned not to be nervous, right. but, like, I've had those – of course I've had those moments where I'm like, I need to talk to her and say these things. But I don't know how to do it. Then I fill it with so much anxiety yes. that I'm like, well, when am I, when's the right time? It always seems like it's a bad time. I, don't, I can't just text her. I can't call her. But then if I, I don't want to set it up, like, I need to talk to you because then she's going to be fucking – and, okay, well, then well why do not I – well, then, it, then it's been two months. and then I've had to right. say this thing. It's one thing. And I'm just like holding on to it. Right. And we're still having sex. Yeah. And it's not good because I, I'm not in it. I'm not mentally present. I'm thinking about like I feel guilty. I'm like, well, I, I don't but I wanna do this, I wanna say this thing, and we're not What was the thing? I wanna know. Oh, it just it always, it's always always different. There have been the times where I um feel <laughs> I don't feel pretty. It's the only way to say it. Really? It's like I've been there I immediately go to my example that I was thinking of is a girl that I saw where I felt bullied all the time. Okay. Felt like no matter what I did, it was never good enough. Um it was I always felt like I was getting yelled at and stuff like that and I couldn't figure out a way to communicate to her I don't like the way you treat me. Especially because I am the man. Like this is like – so I had some masculinity shit wrapped around it. And it's hard –
1: you know what's not masculine is saying I don't like who I am in this relationship.
0: That's not masculine. And it took me a while to figure out that like I don't feel pretty was the the problem there.
1: You know, and I think that there's a lot of relationships. I have so many – I feel like I've said this before on a podcast somewhere, but uh, people who like are in sexless relationships, you just have to make her feel pretty. <laughs> People are like, oh, my girlfriend or my wife doesn't have. We don't have sex like we used to.
0: Yeah, bring her fucking flowers. Well, but here's the other problem: is if you can't, if you just can't bring yourself to make her feel pretty. Oh, because you don't think she's pretty. Because you don't think she's pretty. Oh, that's it. Because you don't think you're pretty. Because you don't think there's all sorts of shit. Like it's like it's it's the hardest thing to to communicate to somebody when you can't tell yourself what it is you need to say. I felt unpretty. Tell me the story. I had body image issues.
1: Yeah. When I was a kid growing up, I, I have a, a prominent nose. But when I was a kid, my face, like, hadn't filled in, so it was really big. My nose was, like, the first thing to
0: come in on my face when I was in middle school. I was like, that my face hadn't filled in. I've literally never heard that oh, expression Oh, shut before. up. That's
1: what my therapy. No, that's legit. That's,
0: <laughs> my, my, that's what i predicated a lot of my. my. Fa- I've heard, like, you'll grow into those clothes, so you'll fill out your clothes. But <laughs> I've been like, your face is going to get bigger. <laughs> it's going to balance out this fucking schnoz you oh, got.
1: Uh, no, I felt like I didn't have, you know. My face—you never heard that. My face hadn't filled in. I don't need to know that. That was a lie told me by my mom. No, no, I don't no. Need to I'm not that. saying it's a lie. My mom told me my face would fill in. I'm not saying it's a lie. I'm just saying I've never heard it before. Well, hear it now, okay?
0: Is that a Wisconsin? It's a Wisconsin thing.
1: No, it was my mom trying to keep me from crying.
0: Hey, that's good then. Well, I don't want to hear that she was lying. I didn't say she was. My lying. My face is still filling in. <laughs> Does she say it still now? She's like, Rob. Yeah, one day yeah, one your face day, is gonna you're fill gonna in. You got a jawline. Uh, okay. No,
1: I, When I was a kid, I did like had a schnoz and I didn't have much of a face. And then I like my jaw grew out and my the rest of my head like popped up. Like, like that. so your face filled in. Fell, oh yeah, very good. Okay. Uh, and but when I was a kid, I had a real big. I still have a big nose, but I got teased about it in, in high school, and that was teeth. It was so, and I, I just I remember how. Because it was my friends, and they just did it as a – there was, like, a a nickname. They would call me Birdman, but it was still, like, very (laughs) – it was one of my friends that, like, coined it. And it was never malicious. It just hurt so – it just, like, made me so ruined. Mm. So self-conscious. Not ruined, but it made me so self-conscious. And then I got into college, and, like, I remember having this, like, moment of clarity, like, sophomore, junior year maybe, and being like, I don't give a fuck. This is what I look like. What do you want me to do? Like, I think I think I'm still a uh, you know a nice, like handsome guy, and mm-hmm. I, you know I have a big nose. What do you want from me? Like, this is just who, what I look like. What am I gonna do? You accept it. Yeah, I totally accept you fight it. You
0: fight it for so long, and that you get afraid that everyone's gonna think only this thing about me. Right. But then there's a point where you go like, I don't care.
1: It doesn't even matter. Like, what, what, what am I? What am I gonna do? There's nothing I can do about it.
0: And probably now, when someone says something about your nose, it's probably a compliment, isn't it? That's so weird, but yeah, it is. Now people are like, hey, I really like your nose now, right? Why do you say that? But yeah. Because the thing that you were self-conscious of, it makes sense. It's a prominent feature in your face. Yes. But I'm assuming that people that are drawn to you probably like your face, right? I guess.
1: I don't, I mean, hopefully they like my, hopefully they're like. Yeah, but they like your
0: face as well.
1: Just subconsciously.
0: uh, Probably consciously too, yeah. Like if you were into somebody, you like them as a human okay, being, but okay, you're yes, also yes, attracted yes. to them. Sure, you're You might think that they're good looking, right? Okay. So the, that's the person that's most likely to say something to you.
1: Which is so weird because I was in bed with someone, and they were like, "I think you have," I. They were like, "I think you have such a handsome, nice nose." And inside my head, I, even though I'm over it, even though I accept who I am. In my head, I was still like, "Yeah, not true." I was like, "Okay, like you don't have to say Did you that. say that." I sw- I said, said I don't. I okay, I don't. shut up. <laughs> I re- I was just like, why? I was like, you know, I think it's. I was like, I it, I am who I am, and I have a big nose, but you know, I don't know why you would say that. But they didn't say that, did they? They, they said were like, you have no, a nice no, it's nose. really handsome, and I was like, thanks.
0: They said you had a nice nose, and you're like, I know it's big. You you filled in. I fill I uh,
1: yeah yeah yeah. Your face filled, in. In, the face the filled, in, the filled in the rest of the started, sentence. The rest of the sentence. Your face filled in the rest of the sentence. You started projecting. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I did. I projected a little bit. But you're right is sometimes I'll get a compliment on it and be like, why would you say a nice thing about my.
0: Yeah. And there's things that I'm I've been self-conscious about that I've that as an adult, I get compliments about that because as a kid, the thing that sets you apart is the worst. And that's, it what, sets and that's you what they apart. Nail you for. That's what they nail you for. Exactly. It's like, yeah. I don't fit in. I don't look like everyone right. else. And then when you get older, people are like, hey, you know what? You don't look like everyone else. That's awesome. And you're like, yeah. yeah, it fucking is. Yeah. Because I'm 30. 30. I've been paying bills and dick down on pussies. That's right, dicking I'm down. A crush pushes. some box. I can't, dude. I look a crusher box. <laughs> crusher box. That's a different dinosaur. <laughs> that one flies. <laughs> <laughs> Be careful! It's coming for your I box. A crush box. Right? A lot of, a lot of boxes have been taken uh, in the middle of the night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> snatcher, sna- uh, a snatcher. A snatcher puss. No, uh-huh. that's no, stupid. Crusher box. Crusher box. Jesus Christ. So my point is, okay. Um,
1: I'm not a, a womanizer.
0: I'm just, not saying that you are.
1: Okay, even though I keep throwing out these funny ways to say fuck pussy, I don't fuck a lot of pussy. No, I just think no. saying these things are funny.
0: Yeah, I know that. Okay. <laughs> if anyone knows it, it's me, the comedian in the room. Oh, okay. It's just only me. It's only me and you in this remote control. It is. Four of them. Okay. So, and my passport. Um, Did you lose your driver's license? Why do you have that? My passport? Oh, no, because I went to Canada. Yeah. Okay. What, you want to look at my the passport? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, fuck that. And this is my uh, ticket. For my expired license plates?
1: Oh, yeah. Wasn't that like an $800 ticket?
0: $1,006.
1: Oh, that's my rent. Yep. My God. Careful.
0: Your phone is going cray-cray. Sorry. Is it an alarm? What's going on? No, it just vibrated. God it's damn off. it, Andrew Overdoll. So anyway, <laughs> stop texting Rob. Um. So anyway, um, I think that the point is, is that when you can't communicate about these things in life, when right. you have a hard time asking for what it is you need... In the heat of the moment of being in bed with someone when the stakes are really high, your heart's pounding, your adrenaline's going crazy, yes. it's even harder to ask for what you need. Yes. And I, and I have learned through the women I've been with how little motherfuckers ask them about what they like. You know, I've even had in just a relationship series. Uh, uh, uh,
1: would you do that on the first time, though? Probably not. The first time you hook up with someone, you're not going to be like, what do you like?
0: Yeah. You would? Yeah, definitely. I, I I tried to make it so well, they feel comfortable to say, do this and not that. Okay. Less that and more and this. Important. And that's important. It's important. I don't want to waste time doing something that they don't right. like. Right. You know? Right. And and it, and sometimes it takes a while for them to say it. When it's, okay. when it's the first time, it takes them a while. If I'm doing something that they don't like and I think they like it, it takes them a while to be like, actually, I don't really care for that. I'm like, I'm switching it up. I am not offended. But I guess they've had it happen enough. Where they've said, I don't like that, and the person goes, what the fuck is your pro?" And then runs out, smashes a window. Sure. You know, so they've it, – it's fear. It's fear. It's anxiety. It's
1: anxiety about how the other person is going to react. Exactly. When you're already in a vulnerable place. When you're already in a vulnerable place. Because you're presenting.
0: And that speaks to the whole idea of people having the conversation, are we monogamous? And not knowing what the fuck's going on. Right. Because motherfuckers don't want to put forward their actual feelings and ideas. Mm-hmm because either they're not sure how they feel about it but or they don't want the other person to be all offended and weirded out okay you know what i mean yeah totally okay let's talk about some of your
1: <laughs> my i have a hard time getting close whenever i get close to someone i usually just push them i don't push them away but i'm like ah this isn't it and it's very, uh, I don't know why, but it's real difficult.
0: Is it because you expect it to feel a certain way and it doesn't? I might have too many
1: expectations. And for that reason, I've actually decided to stop watching porn. I was like, I'm not going to watch porn because I think that it's impacting my sexual expectations. Mm. My, mm. But I do think I have this idea of what it's supposed to feel like. And sometimes I get, sometimes it feels great with just being with someone. And sometimes I, I start to get really close and I'm like, maybe it's that this isn't it. Maybe it's that I'm afraid, but I'll be like, I'll break it off. Mm. Maybe it's that I realize, like, oh, I don't want to commit time to this. I realize, like, oh, this is it. It's getting real. This is going to be a relationship. This is going to be a lot of time. This is going to be a lot of energy. I have other things I want to do. And then I just, like... But you already are in a relationship. With who? With your career. Isn't every young professional at this age, whether you're a professional comedian or a professional, uh, you know, associate... Well, and Los
0: Los Angeles and New York attract the most, quote-unquote, driven career people. Sure. So that's why... Getting in a relationship takes longer. That's why the average age right. of marriage is later. You're right because motherfuckers want to make sure all their ducks in a row. And
1: they're more passionate about what they're doing here. they whether it's entertainment or law, or whatever it is, they're drawn to this place because this is where you
0: can play a higher stakes version of that game. And then, the way that you, the rules you've created to play that game, yes, people start. Applying those rules to their relationships, you're right. And maybe like that's you can't, something
1: you learn to break. Maybe that's it's a hard. Maybe thing. you hit thirty, and you're like, "Well, I've been using that protocol for a, for four to six years, and it's why I'm the last." Well, those my are the only skills that you've
0: been that you've been working on. Is this is the skills of trying to get what you want? So all and it's suddenly, also the
1: only thing that's been giving you your career at that point It's the only thing that's been validating you. Not a, it's not a girlfriend or a boyfriend that's been making you feel good. It's a career.
0: Yeah. It's, it's uh looking at yourself in the mirror right and going you did it
1: you did it <laughs> you've been on you've been on what so
0: been. what what is it that you expect the, it to feel like like can you give me an example of what you're expecting i think
1: i'm just afraid of like being close to someone i think i'm just afraid of them being too i don't know maybe i'm afraid that they'll get to know me and they won't like me or that i'll get to know them and i won't like them and that i don't i don't know
0: Uh, Classic. You think so? No, I'm just saying classic. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, because I I feel like I've had that same feeling before. You know, it's it's. Am I empty inside? Is this person gonna open me up and be like, gross? Why did I do this? Is
1: is I have a lot of fears based on my what I do for a living. I in although my parents are very supportive and very into it, it's very like unorthodox for where I come from. I came from like the Midwest, a private school. Everyone, like, works in business or law or medicine or Mm -hmm. does those things.
0: The safe choices.
1: The safe choices. And it's like I feel feel self-conscious about what I do in a relationship for two reasons. A, we're in a city full of people that do this, and half of them are crazy and not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't want the person that I'm interested in to think that I'm one of those people when it's – that's the go-to is you're like, oh, you're a comedian? No, you're probably nuts. I'm not going to date him. You know what I mean?
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: Even though we're in a city full of
0: people that do it. Yeah, but then fuck that person. Fuck. Okay, I guess. If they're going
1: to write you off that quickly, then fuck them. The second reason is that it's like I don't – I feel self-conscious about what I do because I, I want to be able to support someone and I have kids and a family. And I know that even though this is so far-fetched and idiotic for me to worry about, I know that right now I, – and I, I know that I don't know. I know that I don't know if I will ever be able to do that. I don't know if I'll ever be able to support kids off of what I earn. Yeah, neither do I.
0: <laughs> do you want to have kids? Uh I think recently i I' realized that I do your protocol was that you didn't want to, and then you sort of re- evaluated that and you know it comes out of it comes out of stand up it comes out of seeing I don't know how many comedians talk incessantly about why and how they can never ever have kids, so you want never have fight comedians that talk about kids. It just kids. started making me think about like w- the arguments that I saw being presented that people were laughing and cheering about I was like. I don't know that that's real anymore.
1: Oh, you shouldn't take any argument from stage and be like. No,
0: no, no. But it makes me just. It makes me see what people are thinking. Sure. Okay. It makes me see what people what their priorities are. Exactly. And it makes me go. It makes me flip it for myself and go like, "Well, do I think that? Like, do I? How do I actually feel about? Why have I been so afraid of these X, Y, and Z? Well, I think it's because of this. This. I can. I can try to graph." if you will, why it is I'm afraid of those things. You know what I mean? Because I'm comfortable. I'm not doing the most amazingly I could, and and, and, and I'm financially solvent and shit like that. Right. But I know what I'm doing. I know that I'm fucked. Right. And and it's only me that has to suffer from this. Yes. Totally. It doesn't have... It's not a child that needs fucking food and diapers. I don't have to deliver to anyone but myself. Exactly. And so... It is. It's the transference of responsibility, you know. And then also a lot of people that we know who are parents suck. But I not even that they're sucky parents, but that they are so incredibly condescending about being a parent that sometimes I go, I cannot be this person. I can't be like that into that smug about it. Which, and I know a lot of people now. There's a there's a backlash against that. I know a lot of people now who are fucking serious about not being a smug parent
1: and who are probably great parents
0: and who are great parents yeah exactly yeah but i see that i'm i was unwilling or i still am unwilling to give up my autonomy
1: well the thing is that this career and this causes me anxiety this Mm -hmm. career eliminates by choosing comedy you eliminate a lot of other possibilities that aren't related to comedy like by choosing it you eliminate things that are in no way related to it, but they now become so much harder to attain. If you choose law, a lot of things, are st- a lot of doors are still open. If you go into business and you work at, you know, Enron, mm-hmm. a lot of things. Enron is defunct, obviously. Right, a little business joke. <laughs> if you, I was a business major. But the point is that those are linear. The point is you can still thing.
0: do other things. It. It doesn't make them as challenging. Well, because there's consistency. There's a pattern. Yeah. There's a habit. We don't know what the fuck is oh. going on. Like, my friends who are not comedians, that, and especially when they don't live in New York or L.A., like, when I try to describe to them what is, like, for instance, uh, I did a pilot that got picked up. What? It's called Enlisted. This year? Yeah, on Fox. Congrats. Well, thank you. <laughs> but here's, I didn't know you booked a pilot. I... Well, technically, I didn't.
1: A little bit closer. This is
0: where it' oh, okay. There's still a table in between us, stick down to puss. Uh, because after an abysmal pilot season, we
1: talked about this
0: an abysmal pilot season
1: because I coached, yes,
0: I was offered a role in a pilot. I was given it a recurring role by who, by the, the creators of How the did show. They know you because Fox likes me and they watched my stand up and they watched my reel. That's amazing. That's and amazing. they offered, they straight up offered me a recurring guest star part. On a Fox pilot called Enlisted. That's great. Which got picked up recently. I saw that. So I am a recurring guest star, not a lead.
1: Yeah, but recurring guest star is still like six. It can be a lot of
0: money still. It can be a lot of money. Still. But when is it going to start? No idea. Rumor, August start. That changes the whole second half of my year. Do you have to cancel road dates? There are probably going to be some road dates that need to be canceled. So
1: this great thing that happens still brings anxiety. You would
0: think. You well, would... because also when it starts in August. I still don't know how many episodes I'll be in.
1: Could be one, could be all of them. Could be one, could be all of them. Could be six grand, could be 36 grand. You they could know. decide
0: to make me a series regular. Who knows? Or
1: they could decide your character doesn't mesh.
0: Or they could decide to cut me. That's
1: the thing is you get this great thing and it, and, and it should – the thing that we all wait for and mm-hmm. want for, a set on late night or a, 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 a getting into NACA and getting 20 colleges or a part on a show or an ad campaign for at and with Will Arnett. You get these things and it doesn't – What's the name of your character in that? what, Todd?
0: Todd. Uh, okay, it was a t- You
1: get these things and you think that it will placate, sorry, the anxiety that's inside of you, but it doesn't. You think you wait for this thing to happen and you just want it and want it and then you get that break and you get it and it doesn't make anything any better. And Go that's ahead. why you need to fix your who you are and ma- before you tr- you can't rely on one thing to fix you. Exactly. Or not fix you, but you know what I if mean. If you
0: live your life
1: for these things it's not with
0: the equation of when x then, then why?
1: Then no. no.
0: It's always going to be Z, bro.
1: <laughs> man, that's what I'm talking about, man. It's going to be Z, bro. So
0: that's a zebra, that's but a like zebra. a bro. Hi hey,
1: man, hey, so deep. You know what I'm saying? Bye, so,
0: And that's absolutely right, and that's what I've realized for myself. Yes. That there's no external thing that's going to make me be like, I did it. Ugh. The anxiety goes up. That's why with these huge movie stars get fucking drug problems. And go crazy because they're incredibly talented. Obviously, they're incredibly successful, but it doesn't mean that they're happy. Sometimes they're Robert Downey Jr.
1: They're rich. Wesley Snipes owes the IRS like $600,000, and you're like, oh, man, if I could just get that, I'd be made forever. Motherfucker owes was the IRS right like half a million absolutely
0: ballots. and and Robert Downey Jr. like when I remember people when he kind of had his little thing people were like well what the fuck like with Charlie Sheen even people were like why is he why is he so crazy I'm like because
1: he's not happy he wasn't happy before he but then Robert Downey
0: Jr. Yet. fixed himself I think he's clean right
1: yeah he's clean
0: and people don't remember Ally McBeal that's how we that's how he got reintroduced to America
1: Ally, who did he play he, he was play a Ally? guest star on Ally McBeal oh. One episode
0: <laughs> no a lot a whole Ooh. season okay a full season of okay. Allie McBeal. He was on every episode. He was the love interest to Alan okay. McBeal. And people remembered, fucking Robert Downey Jr. What I happened to that guy? Look, there he Air is. I fucking lo- Then, Shane Black. Air America's a great movie. Air America. America. Say, fuck Mel Gibson. You. I love that movie. Mel Gibson. Yeah, I remember that movie. Have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang?
1: No. Is it about airplanes?
0: No. It's Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. It's written and directed by Shane Black, okay. who wrote and directed the third Iron Man movie. Okay. Consulted on the first one. Okay. Shane Black kind of single-handedly redefined action movies, because he wrote Lethal Weapon. Okay. He wrote all the Lethal Weapons. Okay. Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang was a movie he did with Robert Downey Jr. in the lead. It kind of reestablished Robert Downey Jr. as a leading movie star. People were like, oh, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing again. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Uh, I'm just saying that, like, Robert Downey Jr. wasn't good with Robert Downey Jr. Right, and there's
1: no one thing, getting it back to Enlisted or whatever, there's no one thing. Congrats on that. Well, thank you.
0: Uh, Is that a drama? No, it's a comedy. It's Military Scrubs. It's not by Bill Lawrence, is it? No, no, no. It's Kevin uh, Beagle or uh, Bagel or Beagle. I can't remember, but he wrote on Cougartown and Scrubs. Oh, he works
1: for yeah. Bill he Lawrence staffed is for Bill Lawrence. That's right. Okay.
0: And it's Bill, it's Kevin Bagel and Mike Royce, okay. Mike Royce, who did Men of a Certain Age, and was oh, a stand up. God, was amazing. a stand up. Uh, it's really funny. There hasn't been like a n- military comedy on television since what Major Dad, right? So it's like uh, it's Which been a was while. A good show. I mean, come on, well, Gerald McRaney. Uh, mm-hmm. Gene McCree, I call him, mm-hmm. cause I met that dude. We high five. Not really. Point is, though, it makes me go, okay, that's cool that that's gonna happen. I did this pilot in March. I still haven't gotten paid. It's almost June. Shut
1: the front. They
0: door. lost my check. Who did? Fox. <laughs> <laughs> I started getting co- my agent's like, well, did you get paid for that yet? Because I don't have it. Your managers don't have it, blah blah blah. I'm like, no, they supposedly mailed it April fifteenth. It has never came.
1: God, I have a residuals check that's lost, and I I don't know how to track down.
0: Well, you just have to fucking get them to reissue it, but they want to do an investigation to make sure that you're not cheating them. Right, but it's like I'm waiting on that money. I'm still behind. I'm perpetually three months behind on every single bill, and I'm just and I have a two thousand dollar thing I need to take care of to get tags for my car. Unless they unless if I get pulled over, they can just your car on the streets. Technically, no. Okay. I have insurance, yeah. but I have expired tags. I have this $1,006 ticket right here. I have six different tickets from parking attendants that are oh my God. $25 each. Then, with my registration and late fees, it's probably $700.
1: You have a cool car, though. Yeah, that's the problem. It's cute.
0: Thank you. It's cute. Fuck. Do you remember when I saw you at that, at that Disney audition? Oh, for the thing that Jason Nash wrote.
1: Oh, that was Jason Nash's project. Yeah, that Ron Funches ended that up booking. Ron Funches ended up. And
0: y- me and DC Pearson went and got lunch.
1: We did, yeah. That was fun. That was At fun. a place that I thought was closer. And I told you that uh, Hassan Minaj had told me that he coaches with you a lot. Yeah. And Frequent I, uh, podcast guest. I was like Hassan uh, Hassan said that you're like a really good actor. <laughs> Hassan is what the only fuckers talking about. And then you were telling me about. what you did in your audition, how you like like air jammed a guitar. Yeah. for 10 minutes in your audition, and I was like, Hassan was right. <laughs> <laughs> you are a thespian.
0: Yeah, I know. I air jammed to a guitar, and when they started to do the lines, I'm like, I'm not done. They and hugged they went Ron back to on it.
1: the way out. I was like, oh, there there, goes the part. You can... Well, Ron's fucking great. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, but when I saw him hug him as he was leaving, I was like, okay, there goes the
0: part. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see that Ron, Ron wasn't there when I got there. Oh, yeah, he was there. Well, nice. Uh, he came after I left, I guess. Mm. What? He was there? Oh, he must Call have been back. there before. Oh, the, the callback. callback. See, you got called back. Yeah. Oh, nice. Very nice. No callback for me. <laughs> oh, God. See? Look. See well, what happens? The okay. success of others, that's, that's, a, big that's a big thing. That's a big
1: thing. Let me tell you something. You, people are going to watch some of your victories, but 100, 100 times for everyone, you're going to watch a lot of victories, and you have to be okay with that.
0: It's but a big it's one. hard. It's a big one. It's hard. Let's tie this into sexuality.
1: My career causes anxiety that prevents me from being sexually active.
0: Very true. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, my career Speak consumes to
1: that. a lot of my energy, and it like makes me think about other things. It's hard for me to just focus on relaxing and and dicking down or getting dicked down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's very true, honestly. And th- but for that's me, that's not just true comedy;
1: that could be true of any. Young, when look, I
0: when that something's on my mind like that, I, I can't focus on anything else.
1: And the same thing could be said for a young. I don't want to, I'm not playing like the comedy sympathy card. Same thing, young actor, young associate at a law firm. I have, friend, I have a friend that works for like Wells Fargo in commercial loaning for hotels. And like the stress I know on him is so much that he like it, it, it trickles through to the rest of your life and it creates this anxiety that like is like an ulcer that stays with you.
0: And if you're in a relationship, that person takes it on. That person he, takes it personally. They do. They take it as if like, you're not attracted to them or you don't want them.
1: When in reality, it's stressing your career. But they should take it personally because if you're if you're bringing it to your relationship with them, if you're bringing it into your space with them, then that is a problem, and they should take that personally.
0: I saw this girl when I was in port, just in Portland. She lives in Portland now. Okay, this is a girl I dated in New York years ago, and it's it's one of the most formative relationships I had after college and we only did it for one month and i didn't realize that until uh, two years ago when i was in portland i saw her we hung out and um i said so i don't remember what i said but she's like you know, we only dated for like a month and while that is true right it was an incredibly intense month and i learned a lot about myself and how i re- how i act in a sure. relationship she ended up being diagnosed bipolar by the end of it which made a lot of sense. I was working in the midst of that. I was working at this law firm in New York, still going to commercial auditions, but hate, like hating every, there was this new supervisor that came in that just fucking hated me for some reason. And uh, I used to have a joke about it, which is that she was convinced that I was the black person that ruined it for all of the black people because she was black. That's funny. So she, she saw me, Acting the part of what white people perceive black people right. to be in the workplace. So she was incredibly hard on me because she thought I was this shiftless, lazy motherfucker, mm-hmm. right? Uh, she thought I was Roscoe P. Lazy Coon. That's unfair, but yeah. Perpetually on the verge of singing zippity doo da. So I just had all this and, – and it's a law firm. It's an office. It's No one says anything to anybody about anything. Because
1: it's so – it's still, it's
0: still so pins and needles and and stress and it's like then the partners who were so nice to my face all of the time, I would find out that the partners mm-hmm. were unhappy about something I did or no. said or the way that I dressed. That I, and they never told me to my face. They always told her to tell me. Fuck. And that's her job. But I'm like, I just talked to him, and it's like, and he was. Like, cool. and
1: he was spot? They don't want to say it to your face.
0: And it's like it creates this like, why can't people just tell me to my face? Like, and it's like, really, you, are you, I was do you bothering them
1: about that a lot. Do you think, oh man, these people aren't saying to my face? They're talking about me behind my back, and they're not at the
0: law firm. I did definitely.
1: But does that carry talking about something that creates a seed in you, like ballroom dancing? Do you find yourself ballroom dancing, and you're like, oh, other people are not. He <laughs> wants to say something to my face. I'm not saying ballroom dancing. I'm saying at a show or at an audition. Yeah, he I want to say something to my face, and he doesn't have the balls to.
0: Yeah, sometimes. And I've also I've – also, uh, there's certain people that in my life that just for some reason just fucking hated me, and I constantly replay, what is it that I must have said or done? Ooh. I constantly – like like there was this girl that I kind of hooked up with in college. We never had sex or anything, uh-huh. but at the end of it, she stopped talking to me and just hated me. Okay. And I, I, I think, what is it that I said? What is it that I did that made her just turn? And there's one scene. So you do have a, you do know. I think that she misinterpreted something that I said. I'm like, maybe she misinterpreted this one thing. Which was, well, we were uh, kissing and hooking up. And I took off my pants to total nakedness. Right? She was not totally naked. She had her underwear on. Uh, Not a bra. She had her underwear
1: on. But she had her underwear on.
0: Right. Did you have underwear on? Uh, yeah. And you took them off? Yes. Okay. No, I had sweatpants on, very college. Very college. I had sweatpants on, and I went down to total nakedness, right? I did. And she expressed that she, there was a point where she became uncomfortable, and I said, oh, okay. And this is what I said. I said I should have known. Now, I meant that as I should have known not to push it. I should have known not to. It was a comment for myself. Right. But I wonder... If she thinks I was going like, I should have known, you know, I was going to dig down that post and I should have known that you wouldn't have, maybe she thought that was a judgment on her.
1: Saying I should have known. I
0: should have known was like me judging her.
1: That she or you're not cool enough or you're too prude. Exactly. You, yeah.
0: That's what I'm thinking. Like maybe that moment is where right. she thought I was putting something on her when really I was saying and to myself, you, she, I should have known to be more respectful.
1: And you didn't, you stopped hooking up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I put my pants back on, and I, I I was like, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't want, I didn't, you know, I did say like I didn't want you to be uncomfortable. I think I said that stuff, or maybe it was just an awkward silence. I think
1: if you explain it, I mean, as I, and now I you feel like, like you,
0: to think I explained it, but maybe I didn't. And
1: you know, now you now know she hates you.
0: She hated me in college, yeah, and for After the rest that. of college for like two years.
1: And, and you I, didn't hook up again.
0: No, Ooh. no, we didn't even talk. She wouldn't be in the same room as I was. Shit. Exactly. It makes me go like, fuck. that's why I go like, fuck. So you think it could be that one thing, and that? Makes, well, it maybe. like makes sense. Like maybe she thought, you know, maybe she felt
1: like we talked. Maybe about, she felt violated, is a and vulnerable then, time. it is yeah. a vulnerable. The most vulnerable you are all day, even if you know the person, is with when you are stripping down naked, and you got your 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 little bits, your little kibbles and bits, and you are stripping down nude, and she's gonna, she, she might show you her clam, and it's like that's a vulnerable time.
0: I said something to a girl once. She laughed at me. And it's like it's okay to laugh during sex. <laughs> you're, you're, it's well oh, placed. I'm farting now. Jesus, did you hear that? No, but I did, and I feel it. Oh God, help me, Jesus. Okay, just be careful. What? Yeah, it's it's 57 minutes. Don't okay. worry. I'm talking about farting.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh huh. But you were enjoying telling... your own
0: jerk, joke right there. That was happening, right? My look? No, no. You were you were saying something about clams, and you were like, I was laughing at me saying
1: clam. But I'm saying that <laughs> pulling it back to what we've talked about the whole time is that sex is a vulnerable time, and there' yeah. it's this your brain isn't acting like it normally does in those in those moments it's high stakes it's high stakes, and something that may not have offended her in another situation like saying I should have known could have offended her in that situation exactly
0: and i, I and I wish I didn't think about that moment as much as I do do, and I do because it's rare that someone actively hates me anyone I think that's rare, yes. Yes. So it's like, and there's people that I actively hate, and I know why. Okay. And I try to let go of it. You know, as Mike Kaplan once said, it's probably not his own quote. But like he said, holding a grudge is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. Which I think is like, a, I don't think he said it was his quote. But that's totally true. It's totally true, and I'd never heard it before. So right. I've heard it for the first time from Mike Kaplan. And right. I was like, because there was this girl that I was upset with that lives in New York that I was like, okay, maybe I should try this forgiveness thing. Right. Because I am spinning webs about why she's a bitch and why I lost, I lose. Oh, that's a big, 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 big thing for me. It's feeling like I lost. Is feeling like I... You win, I lose. I turn it to that sometimes. And
1: I think that that is very common, even though a lot of times in situations, it's not about someone trying to beat you. You think you win or... and. They lost, but the other person was never trying to beat you. That's you projecting onto them.
0: It is projecting, and that also makes me go, especially if it's a person who said to my face, <laughs> "You, this is the best sex I have ever had in my life." I don't know that I. You
1: think about winning and losing during sex?
0: Well, no, no, no. I'm just mean as a thing. Okay, she told. Okay. She told me, okay, I am the best sex ha- she's ever had, and she doesn't ever see herself ever having good sex, or or that I am now the standard.
1: Wow holy shit right
0: that's a big thing to say huge and then for her to also be like and also i don't think i could ever love you whoa is going is me going uh i can be the best at sex and it still doesn't mean shit that makes that's what that's where i go
1: yeah and that's hard on yourself
0: yeah it's just like wow it means that i'm just i i'm my personality is so bad. my so bad. Or she
1: doesn't like your career. That I can dick down
0: that puss. Or
1: she's not comfortable with your career.
0: And end the civilization that, that it belonged to. Yeah. Well, she was a young comic, but I don't think that she... We We had a lot of... It was a very secret because she was very concerned about being looked at as fucking someone that was more. Right, of course, of course. She's just like, I'm fucking you because I want to fuck you, not because I think I you get can get podcast. me on. Yeah, you can get me on shows, and I because she Which knew is how I got on this podcast. Oh, damn it! I, I dic- uh, we dicked down. We dicked down. Dicked it down. <laughs> dicked down. That's the sequel to Party Double down. Dick Down. Very, D- very double different.
1: Double Dicked Down was a uh, an event <laughs> that was one of the games on uh, Double Dare.
0: Oh, I thought it was a KFC
1: bowl. Oh no, it was on the Legends of the Hidden Temple. Double the double dick down, Jalen. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Legends of the Hidden. Temple. Or it Temple. sounds
1: like what you could do to your
0: KFC. Nickelodeon's gack. Double dick down your. your what was KFC the one? The Crag? The Cragmire? What was that one?
1: Cragmire. Quagmire was a character on a
0: cartoon. No, a, the Cragmire. Quagmire is a variation on Cragmire.
1: Are you thinking of Legends of the Hidden Temple?
0: Was it Legends of the Hidden Temple?
1: Blue blue iguanas. There was a show so cool. where
0: you had to climb a mountain
1: yeah legends of the hidden temple,
0: they the Crag them. they would always be like the Crag was it a monster that popped out? <sighs> yeah, I think so, okay, I don't know anyways, that's unimportant. so let's get back to sexuality, <laughs> so you are you were talking about this community thing before that you identify yourself
1: I identify as gay as of recently, although I think I probably always knew that I was gay, mhm-. Uh, or that that you like the men at least. Yes, not just like. But I also Jay, hook up. The every end. Every once in a while, I'll hook up with a girl and find myself attracted really emotionally. Like a girl that there was a girl that I've been seeing that I went to high school with that I am very connected with that I have like a real strong emotional connection with. Mm-hmm. And I told her that I normally date guys, and she thought I was joking. Uh, so that so that is yet unresolved because mm-hmm. I haven't talked to her since then. Uh, but I. How long ago was that? Well, she lives in a different city, so that was a couple months ago when we were hang- After we had hooked up, I, s- I, wa- I said, I want to just put this out there. I normally hook up. I want you to know I normally date men. And she thought, because I'm a comedian, she thought I was kidding. <laughs> but I, uh... do you love that? Yeah. Here's the truth about myself. Here's like the... ah <laughs> b- <laughs> you're so funny. Here's the biggest truth you need to know about me, because if you find out from someone else, you'll be totally crushed. I date men, and they think you're... D- but whatever. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh... I know like every once in a while I date with a woman, but I don't identify as bisexual because I don't. I think that there are two kinds of attraction physical and emotional, and that I am physically attracted to both, but more emotionally attracted to men. But I don't identify as bisexual because I don't find that there's as much of a community, and, and I enjoy. Well, fucking.
0: I feel like. I feel like uh, people who do strongly identify as gay, lesbian, hate bisexual people. I feel like that's the group that they're like, fucking pick. Like, they're the li- – I always feel like straight people – There is a bizarre people,
1: stigma, which there should not be, because it's more of a spectrum than anyone would admit anyways.
0: I remember – you ever seen the Savage U? No. You know Dan Savage?
1: Yes. Oh, sa- and, and TV. Savage Yeah.
0: I was flipping around and caught an episode. It's a great show. It is a great show. Yeah. I should be watching it more, actually. But they – You know, go to these different college campuses and take questions. And then there's usually private meetings. There's like three people that want to talk to Dan alone. And they get one-on-ones. They get one-on-ones. And there was this one girl who, for the entirety of college, identified as lesbian. Right? And then she started seeing a guy, being interested in a guy, and really wanting to be with this guy. Okay. And got no support from anybody in her community. She was in this 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 gay group that she went to a lot that, you yeah. know, a lot of camaraderie of and the person that she felt was the the closest. She said this thing about like how she was interested in this guy, and this girl was like. That's disgusting. Right. Like, just w- like a lot of judgment, and she felt so— And she's crying to Dan you know Savage, like, how do I do this? Like, my friends don't, don't want think me to be— gay
1: men are as bad. I think that might be more in that community. Because I- I've told my gay friends that I, every once in a while, hook up with a girl, and they all think it's awesome. They- they're like, great, do whatever you mm. want. Gay, that might be a thing that is more prevalent in lesbian
0: communities. You ever heard Claudia Cogan's joke about how she's never referred to herself as a lesbian unless it's immediately followed by, and I have my rights— Exactly, there which is like case. a lot of times when people, some people strongly identify as a lesbian or a gay man, and a lot of times it's political, sure. right? But sometimes it's lifestyleish. Sure, but like if you were so incre- incredibly, I am this. Mm-hmm. You, that's a fucking you buy into that bullshit.
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: I can drink the the the, the cool game.
1: What coming out for me was more of was the biggest non-event. Like I thought, would, <laughs> I thought it would be a much bigger deal to my friends. You know, Hassan, for example, is like one of my very closest friends, and he's like so. I had a really hard time he'll telling him because I had been talking about it on stage. I talked; I didn't want him to hear from someone else that I talked about it on stage. Mm. And I'd been trying. I wanted. I had been starting to talk about it because it was my goal to talk about it on stage by my 25th birthday. Mm. And so I, right around that time, I would started talking about it on stage because my birthday was coming up and but i couldn't get a hold of him to hang out and i wanted to tell him and i finally got a hold of him to hang out and we're hanging out and we talked for two hours and then as i'm leaving I'm, i was like by the way there's something i need to tell you i'm gay or whatever mm-hmm. and then i i left and then like 15 minutes later he got a phone call from some other comic and they were like chatting and i guess the comic was like hey did you know uh did you know rob is talking about being gay on stage <laughs> so i like barely missed that bullet so you
0: basically were racing yourself. I was erasing myself to you like put tell the, You him. put the feelers out there. You're like, I lit the fuse. I got to tell, tell Hassan before the shit explodes. Because
1: I had told other people but he's hard to get hold of. So, so I, but I found that coming but out. But then was, also
0: he might feel insulted. As,
1: you don't want him to feel hurt. That's as, the thing. as your
0: friend and like, really, I'm the last person to know? Right. Yeah. How
1: close can we be if I'm the last person that you're telling? Right. Mm. And you don't, you don't want it to become a weapon. You don't want it to become a weapon. You want it to be. Mm. But in reality, it's like a non-event. People could give a shit. But the fact that I hook up occasionally hook up with girls, he is incredibly intrigued by. He's like he thinks it's like the greatest thing in the world, and well, I, best of both worlds. Th- that's what. And it's weird. I had a friend that who was I hanging out with the other day? Oh, I was hanging out with a, a comic the other day, a girl, a female comic, and I told her that you know she knows that occasionally I hook up with girls, and she was like so. She's like so jealous and amazed. Well, she it's basically interesting. She said that I can come whenever I want.
0: It's a, well, you know what's interesting too, because it's like you're 25, and I just feel like. From my age range, I think 35 younger, there's way more tolerance about this kind of stuff. Sure, of course. Because we grew up with this language. We grew up with having friends that had gay parents. Of we course. grew up – so it's like – that's why like the, the the gay marriage debate is like – it's going to be irrelevant in a couple of years, maybe 10 at least. But mm-hmm. like it's like – because young people aren't buying into the – even Bill O'Reilly, did you see that clip where he said that like – The anti-gay marriage arguments aren't just not good. He's just like the he's like, and he said he's for gay marriage. No, he did. He said it on his on his show.
1: Okay, he was just kind of like
0: he was just like the argument for gay marriage is we're citizens, we deserve equal rights. He's like, and that's a good argument, right? He's like, and basically, he's like, and the people with the anti-gay marriage, uh, anti-gay, they're just thumping the Bible. It's like they have no argument except to hold up the Bible. And he's like, and it's just like, and that's what he said on his pod on his podcast on his show. I saw the clip of it on like HuffPo or something. It's like Bill O'Reilly comes out for gay marriage. I'm like, what? I got to watch this. Yeah. So I was like really surprised. But he was just like, yeah, it makes sense. They're citizens. They want equal rights. They should have equal rights. That's what right. this country is about. He's like, but, and he's like in the opposite end. They're just being like, but the Bible. And he's like, eh, that's not a good argument. That's not a good argument, right? Right. Um. So it's certainly not a modern argument. Well, but then also here's the other thing is. I know a person. I'll I'll leave him unnamed because I don't know how public he is about all this stuff. I know his friends know, but it's like he just doesn't like the labels. You know, he uh, label wise, he'd be bisexual, but he just is like I'm me.
1: So is he gay or straight? What does he identify as?
0: Uh, what? What does he identify as? Neither. He doesn't identify as gay or straight. Is it a comic? Uh, he's in the com. He's around comedy. But like i'll tell you i'll tell you off podcast but we had to talk about it once and he's just like he is he's had his most significant longest relationships with men Interesting. but he is when i we started becoming friends he was in this place where he's like but i'm just uh, i miss women right now he's like i've been wanting to be with women more and hang out with women more and stuff like this and uh, you know, he's like, and it's like, old oh, men can be assholes. <laughs> he's like, that's the other thing, and so it's just like, but he doesn't like the label bisexual or gay or straight. He kind of he likes being him. He likes being him. So,
1: and I bet that that frees up a lot of anxiety when you can accept I'm just me, whether it's sexually or career wise or flaws or your nose or whatever else. That does free up. That releases. That shines light on anxiety, mm-hmm. and it and it it dissipates.
0: Well, most of it. All I feel like all of anxiety is just. How am I going to tell anyone else? It's just like, how am I going to explain this to everyone else? How am I going
1: to justify who I am? How am I going to justify that I look like this or act like this or eat like this or want this or, you know, suck this, whatever it is?
0: I've gotten into some debates about the terms girlfriend, boyfriend lately because I have never really liked those terms. They always feel really juvenile to me. Anytime I hear somebody say girlfriend or boyfriend, I think, oh, I thought you were an adult. But apparently you're thirteen. I don't mind those terms. I do. Okay. Um, and I'm trying to let go of it. You know, it's a picking your battles thing, but I'm like, I'm just like, and usually the argument for when I said like, I don't really like those terms. The argument against me is, well, what will I tell my friends? What will I tell my friends we are? What what do you want them to tell you? If I don't care what you tell your friends but you don't want it to be girlfriend they're not my friends <laughs> okay. what so do you tell how do you describe what i describe say? that person as a. that's the person that i'm seeing that i'm with you know okay um i try not to qu- I, I i just be like that's a person that's in my life that i'm seeing that i'm involved with okay. i'll say usually i'll say i'm involved with okay that's that's probably the most dominant thing that i say okay but it's just kind of like I don't know. I guess it's just like if we know what we're doing, why does it matter that anybody else it's not anyone else's business. You know, and if we're around them and they ask for an explanation, you can be like, "Yeah, we're doing it. We hang out." You know, so he's your boyfriend? Well, technically you can call me that if that's what we are, if we're that intense with each other. I just don't care about it. Right. I'm not like so invested in like it's a badge of honor or something like that. Right. You know, anyway, what's what's going on? You're thinking a lot.
1: I was I
0: I, yeah. What are you thinking? You're still thinking about who this person was that I was talking about. You no, know, I
1: was thinking about labels, but I don't have a problem with girlfriend. Or boyfriend. Oh, labels. I think it's fine. But I understand. I understand, and I respect what you're saying, which is that it should just be the person that you're hanging out with. But I I think there's something charming and cute, maybe because I've never had one about saying, "Oh, this is my boyfriend. This is my girlfriend." Okay, I, I would say that all fucking day. I would not leave. I'd be on the phone with someone. I'd be like, "Oh, who's in the room? My boyfriend. My girlfriend." Well,
0: I've had. Not who's in the room. A person. <laughs> I'd say the person's name. Who's in the room? That's just what I, a
1: person, okay? Show some respect. See, that's what I
0: do. I use, the, I use the person's actual name more than I will, like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend sort of a thing. I'll be like, yeah, it's so, it's so and such. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you about mean, like, Tammy. I want them to know your name more I than. I want this telemarketer to know that. Your, your identity is not contingent on your involvement in my life alone. Okay, fair enough. Um, stupid. It sounds stupid. It sounds
1: feminist. Is it feminist? <laughs> it, no, but it sounds like it sounds a little bit ex- like just the way you said that your identity is not contingent on what you're doing in my life or whatever. Well,
0: and then I even extended it into like I didn't realize that I I've never called someone my mailman. Like I say, that's what they asked me. Like if you're at a party and there was the guy who delivers your mail was there, you wouldn't be like, oh, that's my mailman. I'd be like, no, that's I would say that's George. He also so what if delivers you don't my mail.
1: No, and you're describing. What if you don't know their name? What if you're not? How else? Why would they be at my party? Oh, they're at your party. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, but would you say that's George? He's my mailman.
0: Yeah. Or no, I'm right? I'd no, say that's George. He delivers my mail. He works for the post. Office. I would not say he's my mailman. Okay. There's something about saying someone's my something that I sure, uh, that's as
1: possessive always. Sure. and a little bit entitled.
0: That you know what? That's that must be what it is. But let me tell you something. What
1: you're my friend.
0: Mm, I'm barren. But I'm also a friend of yours. <laughs> okay, fair
1: <laughs> enough, fair enough. But we're friends. We're friends.
0: See what I'm saying? It's different. Anyway, any closing thoughts?
1: Uh, no, I feel – I have anxiety about how this went. I don't know if it was up to your standards. Didn't go well. Ooh, um. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> See? That was you just saying, I should have known. And that hurt. Uh-oh. So, no. well, here's
0: my question to you then, Rob. Um, you're turning 20 – you've turned 25. Yeah. Um, you are mm-hmm. talking about these things, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you made a promise to yourself to, to talk about yes, gay stuff on stage. On stage. Yeah. And you have, what, what are the, like that, on those terms, what are some of the promises or goals you have set out for yourself to combat your anxiety? Or, uh, I'm
1: not allowed to think about my career unless it's related to action. Ooh. That's something I worked on with my therapist was that I was obsessing about little things in my career and, and we established this rule that if it's oriented to moving forward or taking action, focus on it. Dwell on it. Think about it. But if it's not, don't.
0: Mm. That's a good one.
1: That's a good one. Yeah.
0: Good therapist. That's a big goal. Is that yeah. the same therapist that told you your face will fill in?
1: No, that was my mom. Uh, Mom's kind yeah. of a therapist. She is. And she was
0: right. <laughs> oh, they just they just created a this patient.
1: Face. His face is filled in. <laughs> look at his face. Look that's look a those, really that's a that's filled in bones. face, Rob
0: um what else anything else that's a good one i like that
1: that's such a big goal for me right now and talking about being gay on stage was such a big goal that i don't i'm not focusing on other that's like that's such a big that's just such a big thing for me right
0: now so, so you're at where you're at i'm at where i'm at all right all right good talk
1: can i plug uh or you're gonna plug my shit i guess no plug something well i have a podcast It's called goose city i run it with tom sibley
0: Goof Bernstein. City. Goof, Goof City. Goof City. I know Tom from New York. Okay. okay. I know, I've know i known two different Toms. Tom Sibley? I know New York Tom. I knew New York Ooh, Tom. Ooh, did he change? And I know Los Angeles Tom. Are they different people? To me they are, but I don't really know Tom that well. Okay. I don't know Tom well enough to say. That's fine. But the Tom Sibley I met in New York is very different than the Tom Sibley I've met in Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: and then Chase. So we have, uh, and then otherwise Twitter. Wait, Rubleason. who's the other person? Uh, Chase Bernstein.
0: Oh, Chase. Yeah, I know Chase. She's wonderful. Yeah. Mucha uh, Young Comics
1: G-L-E-S-O-N And I'm so flattered that you asked me because you're my friend. You're Baron and a friend. You're Baron <laughs> and you
0: are a friend. Well, we got two more times to do this, Rob. I like to have people on at least three times. Do you really? Yeah. Okay. Because I think it's interesting to listen to the relationship grow. Interesting. Let's do it. Let's do it again. <laughs> right now. No. All
1: right. Thanks, man.
0: All right bobby glee i call him um not really i don't think he likes it um i hope you guys enjoyed that episode please leave comments and reviews on itunes and You know, show your friends Anybody who likes pseudo-comedic Pseudo-philosophy Pseudo-therapy Pseudo-podcasts Tell them about this bitch Okay Um, Some other podcasts that I did I did Tangentially Speaking with Dr. Christopher Ryan The author of the book Sex at Dawn If you guys want to go to his Podcasts on Feral Audio, I believe I did a, a podcast with him that I really liked It was fun, he's a really interesting person uh, he's got a lot of interesting things to say, and he's got scientific data to back it up. So, and then I also did the uh, Put Your Hands Together podcast with Cameron Esposito. Um, I did that two weeks ago, and um, you can hear on that podcast the newest, most polished version of my jokes about my financial problems. Um, that's the best that they've gone. Uh, on that podcast, that's the best that they've gone so far, and it was on that podcast. So check that Shiza out. I'm still working on that chunk. I'm gonna work on all sorts of chunks. I, I again, I gotta try to do what I can do to be the next black guy. Um, so, you know, I don't know what what it's gonna take for me to be the next black guy. I either gotta get good and write more material, or I gotta kill Hannibal, Michael J and Gerard Carmichael. <laughs> Gerard. We'll be on this podcast by the way Someday I don't know He's too busy Being all successful And shit Snap, 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 snap snap. snap, snap. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about Anyway guys I'm going to go watch The season premiere of True Blood Right now After I post this podcast Pace. Peace <laughs>